Many people talk about the magical parts of becoming a parent, but so often we forget about or avoid talking about the very difficult or maybe embarrassing parts about being a parent for fear that we're abnormal or that we're a failure. Well, we want to create a podcast that highlights and celebrates those parts of parenthood because chances are you're not alone in what you've experienced. We want to talk about those challenges, funny and sad, good and not so great, and offer not necessarily a solution, but some guidance and hopefully comfort. Our main mission at The Natural Nipple is to empower new mothers and support them in their breastfeeding mission. And just because we said it's to empower mothers, don't tune out just yet, dads. You're a major part of this mission. Moms need you there to support them because it's not as easy as one might think. We want to help improve and optimize worldwide wellness by promoting awareness and helping to educate others on the importance of breastfeeding for global and economic health. Yes, it's not just a parent issue. This can have an impact on everyone. We want to discuss the social issues around breastfeeding, as well as provide you with the latest findings and research on the impacts of breastfeeding and parenting. We hope you'll follow us and tune in to the Natural Nipple podcast. You can follow us on Spotify and iTunes by searching The Natural Nipple and be ready for some great episodes. And if you'd like to find out more about us and our mission, you can visit us at thenaturalnipple.com where you can participate in our survey or donate. Terrific. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Lisa. I was just introducing you. Um, I was saying, you know, you're a mom, you're a nationally syndicated columnist, and you're also the author of How to Raise Perfectly Imperfect Kids. And so I'm super excited to have you on our Q&A live. We're changing it up a little bit because typically we host clinical specialists from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But I think your insights from essentially gleaning what families are going through during the pandemic will be really, really useful for a Q&A session. So how it works is so. for anyone joining, you just drop your comments in and thank you for joining, Alexander. Well, I'll be monitoring the chat and then we'll just host Lisa's story in terms of you know how you got started and what sure. made you so passionate about helping change up the parenting conversation. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, what, I mean, what would you like to know first? Um, so I know your book, How to Raise Perfectly Imperfect Kids, really um, changes the paradigm about perfect parenting. And kind of, I'd love to hear your story and like what inspired that for you. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I mean, this is my third book. I've, I've written a couple of other parenting books. I also write a nationally syndicated humor column called It Is What It Is. And that came before everything. So back maybe 10 or so years ago, when I was in, you know, in the thick of it with my kids, my oldest is 23. Now my youngest is 20. So, you know, we I've been at it for a while as a mom. And, you know, I was in the school system for many, many years. And was I had this incredible lens through which I could look at the family dynamic and the family system and the way kids were interacting with with their parents and with the world. And what, where people were kind of getting stuck, I just had a really great bird's eye view of that because I was working with parents and educators and students and staff and people were so wrapped around the axle. I mean, when I started writing, I was writing about everything. My column is, is like a 
random stream of consciousness. I could be writing about hockey one day. I could be writing about work-life balance and fitness and, um, you know, in marriage. And I, I just like started slowly switching lanes. And it was because of my experience as a mom, as a working mom mm -hmm. and an educator that I, I just really dialed in pretty directly to what was going on within the family unit and how stressed kids were getting and parents were getting by this by this this notion this myth whatever you want to call it that we need to be perfect that parents need to nail it that your kid needs to be you know the the D1 athlete and in all AP classes and taking five languages by the time they're in the third grade it's just it's not sustainable it's not realistic and yeah. people were were so fixated on that mentality that they weren't they weren't living their lives to their own capacity. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. they were trying so hard to do what seemed right when they were looking at everybody else around them, but they weren't paying attention to what was working in their family and what was working for their kids and what was work. What, how does your kid learn? Maybe yeah. your child will, will crush it in CP1 classes because that's, that's where their capabilities lie. But kids were under so much pressure. And I used to see so much working in you know, in the school administration, just kids were, were cracking and yeah. breaking. And so were parents. So it, it just inspired me to write a lot more about parenting. And then um, my columns led to one book and led to another book and led to another book. And, and I just felt like it was, nobody was actually endorsing the fact that it's okay to screw up. Right. That it's actually, it's necessary to screw up. And so that, that was really just the kind of the genesis for the whole book. I I love that you've sort of taken this huge paradigm shift, right? Where it's like you saw that people were being sort of like plastic in their approach to feeling like this mm -hmm. is how things should be. And I think even with like standardized testing, like your your metric for like measuring somebody's ability to learn is so skewed in just to one area, right? Yeah, um, so, yeah, so it's not dynamic to the actual child or to the family unit as well. And so by making it okay and like opening up a conversation about like the mistakes have to be made and mm -hmm. like being having an approach where like you're accepting and almost embracing them and seeing how you can learn from them rather than wallowing in shame and guilt, I think is such a beautiful thing that especially I think is necessary at this time when total like work-life balance has shifted right oh, so for sure. i don't know what yeah. the pandemic has looked like for you or how that's changed um kind of like your home life and your work life would you be willing to share about that and if not oh sure you, then just like even some people like that you've talked to and that you've started writing about their stories yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for me, I, I feel like in some strange way, my husband and I talk about this all the time. So I, I work for myself. I'm a writer. I work from home. And my husband has has worked in an industry where he's worked for for 20 years from home. So it's mm -hmm. almost in this crazy way, like we've been we've been training for this whole situation for the last 20 years because we get up every morning together, go out for a run, come home. He goes downstairs to his office. I go upstairs to my office and we do our thing. And, and so it wasn't 
terribly difficult to make that shift for us. I know it's so difficult, and I've had so many conversations in the last, you know, five plus months with, with parents who have been trying to not only navigate the, you know, that work-life balance by working at home when they're used to traveling or being in an office, but have had so many conversations with people who are trying to get their minds around or who were when, when the shift happened, trying to get their minds around how, to, how do you do that and also educate your kids at home mm -hmm. without any, any training. You know, so many of us who are our parents are, you know, even, even those of us who, who are at home parents, and I, I was at home with my kids for a long, long time before I went back to work. The, um, I'm not a trained educator in that in that way. So that was that was huge. We kind of dodged that bullet because our kids were, you know, my oldest is out of college. My my youngest um, is is in between, uh, you know, programs right now. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have to deal with that. We didn't have little kids running around and trying to do Zoom calls and trying to teach lessons. But still, I mean, it was it it's hard. I mean, all the there are so many other ways that this this whole situation is impacting people. You know, I have family in Florida. My husband's family is away in Florida. Oh, which Mine part? Is... I'm from oh, Tampa. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, yeah. my sister-in-law moved from Tampa to Miami just fairly recently. Mm -hmm. And my in-laws are in Delray Beach and my parents are in Lake Worth. So they're all kind of clustered in the same place. They're all pretty close together, which is great for them. Right. But, you know, we're really close with our family and it's been really tough to not be with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've, I've had older kids who ha had, couldn't work. Both my children were working and then that mm -hmm. just completely shut down. Right. So they've been home and you picture, I don't know what's worse, dealing with young kids that don't really un understand <laughs> yeah. what's happening as, as much as your older kids do or dealing with the older kids who just like want to get in the car and want to go off and be with their friends and, you know, have significant others and want to be with them. And, and it is definitely tricky. So we've had to navigate all that just like everybody else has. And, you know, there have definitely been highs and lows and thank God both my girls have their own bedroom because I think somebody <laughs> would have killed somebody by now if they didn't. Yeah. But I mean, you know, overall, I feel like we've been we've been really pretty lucky, you know. We've tried to take the opportunity to enjoy this time that we have together because, as close as we are as a family, when are you ever in the house like this with your grown children, yeah. morning, morning, noon, and night like that? And we're very fortunate that we have a really close relationship with our kids. But um, you know, we've just really tried to embrace where we are right now and and take this as an opportunity to be together yeah. and spend time together. And, you know, that's, that's how we've been looking at it. And I really like that you touched, thank you so much for sharing, like what your personal parenting and the pandemic experience looked like. I'm happy we could touch on different um, parts of the spectrum of parenting, whether it be like, typically we talk about, you know, perinatal situation, like mm -hmm. brand new baby, but even into like, you have adult children, all of a sudden coming back into the family unit. And this is not uncommon. Yeah. And it in in like the COVID-19 situation. And so it's really what I'm hearing you say that same fundamental principle is helping you through that experience that you mm -hmm. wrote about and how to raise perfectly imperfect children, which was like embracing sort of. Um, I think yeah. it's coming back to that because you were, you were talking about, you know, embracing mistakes or like what is not really 
standard societal norm. And mm-hmm. then even with this new change in environment and in like family unit and structure and who's constantly around you. Um, thank you guys so much for joining. I just want to remind you, um, you can jo- jump any comments into the, the chat here and I'm monitoring them. We're with Lisa Sugarman. She is an author, a mom, and a nationally syndicated columnist, an expert on parenting. And so I thought it would be perfect to have her here because um, this is a totally unprecedented parenting challenge. Like where we are at in the world with technology as it stands, with education as it stands. And so I just wanted to have her on board here because I think you're a world of insight well, and... I appreciate that. And and if there wasn't uh, an example of, of, you know, perfectly imperfect situation, man, this whole situation that we're in is about as perfectly imperfect as you can get. And, and we don't have a choice. Like we don't yeah. have a choice when when colleges and universities close down, when businesses shut down, when airlines shut down, like you you have no choice but to just to roll with that. And so I think mm-hmm. that being able to give your kids that skill set to be able to know how to pivot when they need to pivot is one of the greatest things that you can do for your your kids as a parent. Yeah. And that's that's where we are right now. And that's an excellent I just want to like recap what I'm hearing from that. So being able to one embrace where you are and see how you can learn from it whether it be a mistake or whether it be a new challenging environment and situation such as the, all the family living together in one space, but also like modeling how you are working together and essentially, you know, being okay with not knowing how to handle things and being transparent about that, you know? So like you can, you can learn together as a family unit, I think. You Is can. And I, and I, yeah, it's absolutely. You're you're nailing it. I mean, it's it's Look, you, the the bottom line about parenting is that as soon as you get your feet on solid ground as like as a mom or as a dad, as soon as that happens, there's going to be a seismic shift. You can that's the one thing that you can always guarantee is going to happen as a parent mm-hmm. is that as soon as you've got it completely figured out, everything changes. Everything changes. Your your child goes from grammar school to middle school or middle school to high school or high school to college or graduates. And, um, you know, as, as soon as you can handle them being off and riding their bike around the neighborhood alone, then they're getting in a car and doing it alone. Then, I mean, everything is constantly changing. So we, we do have a lot of experience, all of us in, in learning how to pivot because, you know, nature just, it necessitates that we have to do that. It, you know, yeah. that's, that's just, that's just, you know, growing up with children and parenting children. Uh, but, you know, I think the most important thing, you said an interesting word a few minutes ago, you talked about transparency. And I think that is one of the most important things that most important assets that you can have along with, you know, good communication and flexibility as a parent, because if you're not open and honest, like for instance, and transparency in terms of fears, like this is a scary situation. I mean, this has been a really scary situation and to ignore that and not to deal with that. And mm-hmm. so to let those, those fears and those worries and those doubts and concerns fester in your kids and pretend like it's not happening is yeah. that's, that's detrimental. But when you have 
that, you know, that, that open line of communication and you can sit with your kids and be like, look, I'm scared. And obviously you do it in an age appropriate way. You're not going to sit your four-year-old down and say, wow, I'm really, really scared right now. Yeah. <laughs> you just, just traumatized. Um, now you've just traumatized your kids. Is that better or worse if I do that? I By the way, I'm better. just noticing. Yeah, that's Is good. I, I just want to make sure that you can see me, okay? Bright. <laughs> yeah, no, yours is like great. And I've got all this crazy sunlight behind me. So, I mean, the, the fact is that the, the more open and honest we can all be with our kids in a situation like this, that is so completely imperfect and, and you know, so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. I think the better off everybody is. And, and we've had really open and honest dialogues with our, our girls about all of this. Like, should you go back to work? Should you you know, move out. I have a, my older daughter is actually moving. Um, we live in the suburbs of Boston and she's about 20 miles away from Boston and she's actually moving into the city um, mm-hmm. in two weeks. And, you know, we, we talked very realistically about that situation and what the concerns are. And, and I have another daughter who wants to go back to her, her college program and um, that's on hold. So we're having these conversations and they know that we're afraid of certain things and we know that they're afraid of certain things and that's how you navigate through that yeah. by by just owning those issues and you know and working through them together yeah so that's what we've tried absolutely. to do I think that's beautiful advice about the honesty first with yourself and then by applying it through transparency so you can open up that line of communication and you said you said it very well like in an age-appropriate manner right but I think mm-hmm. I think it's so important, and I'm here as like your host and a very curious not parent <laughs> because. Um, what did you I, say? Not parent? I'm not a parent myself, but I'm really I'm very very passionate about providing resources, you know, for new families at this time, mm-hmm. and making sure that they are supported primarily through their breastfeeding journey, but also like these skills that you're talking about are transferable to like. Like you said, it's a continuum of parenting. At any right. age, you're you're you applying never stop this. being a parent. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, by applying honesty through transparency in an age-appropriate way, you can really um, navigate together, and I think almost strengthen these family bonds. Because what's more detrimental, in my opinion, is plastering over the fact, the reality that you're all going through. Because that models a behavior that it's unsafe to be honest about your emotions, that Mm -hmm. it's not okay to feel afraid or uncertain. And this really fosters an environment where you can um, learn from each other and and glean like the support within the unit that you need. Um, Is there... Is there experiences that you've had or that other people have written to you about? Because transparency is really important but what if you're on the other side of the spectrum and like you're suddenly becoming just like an emotional dumping zone for someone (laughs) and you're inside the same house I think we should just touch on you know how do you also set good boundaries in parenting um do you do you have any insights around that yeah I think so I mean I definitely I definitely have opinions I don't know if you want to consider the opinions insights but or <laughs> wisdom but i mean it, it's really it's hard because especially as a parent you you 
want so badly for your children to feel like they can come to you and they can talk to you and they can share with you and they can confide in you. And that's like, that's all you ever want. So I know that when either one of our girls comes to us and confides in us and is, is open and honest with us, like we consider that to be a gift because not, not every parent and child have that relationship. And, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're very, very fortunate to have it, but you, I mean, yeah, you can definitely run into situations where, you know, your, your kids are oversharing and, um, you know, yeah. kind of leaning in a little bit too hard. And I, I guess it's, I guess the only thing I can say is that you, you know, you really kind of pick your battles as a parent in mm -hmm. general. And I think you do that as well with those lines of communication. You, you yeah. have to establish those, those boundaries um, because you also need your kids to think and act for themselves. And if you're mm -hmm. always there, it's one thing to let your kids dump their, you know, their stuff on you. I mean, that's what we're mm -hmm. there for. They're supposed to do that. But I think the line that we have to walk as parents is that we, we don't then dive in and act mm -hmm. as the ones that are solving everything, that are fixing everything, that are coming yeah. up with solutions for everything, because that's, you know, that's enablement. And that yeah. makes it really difficult for our kids to then be able to navigate on their own when they're, they're out from under your roof and they're on their own. And, and even if they're younger kids mm -hmm. and they're at school and they can't advocate for themselves because you're the one advocating, you're the one dealing with all their, you know, their stressors and their conflict instead mm -hmm. of letting them. So it's, 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 I think, totally appropriate and great to have kids sharing but then what we have to do is then teach them, give them those skills to allow them to then deal with their stuff and yeah. understand how to, you know, how to arrive at solutions on their own or source, That's, you know, source, source other solutions for themselves. That is such an excellent point. And I didn't even think that we would like go from yeah how do you set good boundaries to actually like uh, modeling critically thinking for yourself and mm -hmm. also like as a parent sometimes it can feel really good i imagine to like just put on this superhero cape role and like always oh, jump yeah. to the rescue but something that comes to my mind it was the i was um uh, this was not this summer, but I was in like the, some national parks and there was a young boy. He was maybe like 12 with his little brother who was like seven. And they're trying to learn how to like hike up this more precarious trail. And the older brother stops and says, I'm helping him by not helping him. And I yep. thought that that was so yep. profound. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, you know, there are situations where someone's in dire need, obviously, like, you know, but I thought that that was great because he was like, no, he needs to learn. He needs to learn for himself how to think, how to mm -hmm. physically move his body and like scale this trail. And yeah, that's right. I was like, I just thought that was so wise coming from a young child. And I was like, that's, it, yeah. I think back to that all the time. I'm helping him by not helping him. By not helping him. <laughs> well, it's funny because we, so in, in this book that I wrote, this the most recent one, we talk a lot about the power that can be found in letting your kids drive the bus for mm. themselves. Because without that, they have absolutely no concept of, of how to handle situations, handle rejection, handle, 
sadness or despair or anger, or they, they don't understand how to move through those emotions because they haven't had the experience. You know, we talk an awful lot. So I, I my co-author and I, I did something a little different with this most recent book and I brought in, uh, she, my friend uh, Deborah Danzenberg, she's a licensed psychotherapist here in Boston. She has a really big practice here in, in Boston. Mm -hmm. And she came in to give kind of the clinical sidebars to everything that I talk about in the book, kind of my, my soccer mom perspective. And then she backs it all up with, with that. And she's also the person who I co-host our radio show life unfiltered with. We talk a ton about the importance, the necessity of letting your kids fall, letting your kids, you know, we use the tree analogy, like climbing out of a tree, uh, climbing up a tree, not that you want to have your kids falling out of trees, but <laughs> It, it's something that people can connect with. Like you don't understand how high you can go. Maybe you don't understand just, just how far you can travel on your own unless mm. you've hit a bunch of bumps and you've learned how to get yourself up and how to keep going forward. It's, it's that creating resiliency in mm. kids. And the only way to do that is by saying, here, do the thing, do the thing, make the decision, and know that if you screw it up and there's a bad outcome, but right. I definitely, I definitely am not going to make the decisions for you. Right. Absolutely. And being there as like a springboard, you, can, you know, like that's where that embrace transparency process comes in. And like, maybe like even probing the question, okay, how do you want to handle this? Like, you know, mm -hmm. like maybe just helping them come up with their own blueprints, just like sparking that critical thinking, but very, very much, like you said, giving them the ownership and making right. sure that they feel the the responsibility or the consequences of their choices, because right. otherwise that could, if you're not cultivating that resiliency, if you're not helping them by not helping them, over helping them. Um, yeah. That can be so much more detrimental. Um, yeah, you're, you're hurting, you're hurting your kids. Like we talk an awful, awful lot about helicopter parenting and bulldozer parenting and unicorn parenting. And there are all these different types of parenting models. What is unicorn parenting? <laughs> unicorn parenting is something, we actually did a radio show on unicorn parenting. It's really kind of like this hybrid. It's like, you're, um, you know, you're upbeat, you're happy, you're allowing your kids to have some freedom, you're encouraging them, but you're not, you're not hovering. And, and, and it's, it's just kind of a nice, I think it's, I guess, if I had to identify myself as something, I would say I'm a unicorn parent, because I'm, I'm supportive of my kids. Um, I try to be happy as, as often as I can be, but there's still the reality that we can't always be all the time. It's not always like rainbows and sunshine, but you, mm -hmm. you really do kind of try and um, embrace that part of life as much as you can and then kind of give your kids wings. And, and it, you know, the whole goal is to give your kids wings to let them, I, mean, I know it's a kooky cliche, but to, so they can use them. Well, if you don't let them use them, they have no idea what they're doing. They're gonna jump out of this, you know, little nest that we all live in and they're gonna yeah. fall flat on their face. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but we, we, we talk about that and, and about the bulldozer parenting that goes on in this world. And I mean, I saw so much of it. That was like a really big impetus for me writing 
these books because it was all about how parents are just swooping in and they're um, they're either hovering as helicopter parents over their kids or they're they're lawn mowering this you know super clear path, no obstacles. Kids have have no challenges because everything's been kind of neatly wrapped up with a bow and and they don't have any conflict. So they have no concept of how to deal with concept with, yeah. you know, conflict. So, um, and, and we talk about how damaging that can be because I've seen the other side of that. I've watched kids who have grown up that way then become adults and then go off into their own life and they're completely paralyzed. Like they completely fall apart and have a breakdown if they don't get a job or if they didn't get into the college they wanted or yeah. the D1 sport team didn't, didn't pick them up or, you know, I mean, or, or if a relationship doesn't work out, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's not doing anybody, let alone our kids, any, any service to and neaten everything up for them so mm -hmm. that they don't have to work at life because life is, it's a job. It's, it's work. Yeah. You have to work actively, at it. Actively carve, you know, their own path, which I think can lead to so much fulfillment. You know, if you're, oh, yeah. if you're always, um, kind of like putting responsibility for your decisions on like, Oh, this is what sounds so wanted me to do, or this is what I should do. I don't think that you ever really feel the true joy from like, making a decision autonomously and then deciding it was right or wrong for you and like mm -hmm. moving away from it or leaning into it. And uh, I think that's such beautiful advice. So like you've actually given a really great process for parenting oh, in the pandemic, even though you're, you know, your children are a little bit older, but it's applicable for everyone because I think even in relationships with your partner, when your baby's an infant, you know, maybe mm -hmm. like, having these open conversations with them is not applicable at the time. However, this is like a totally new life space that you're navigating. So still that same principle of one, okay, we're embracing this together. Two, we're, we're going to be incredibly honest about our feelings in, you know, a non-judgmental way because we've decided to embrace. Three is like that putting the honesty into transparency and actively talking about it. And then you said something really good, and I don't know how to coin this in one phrase or step, but I think it's like the navigating portion where like yeah. you're also setting some boundaries around, okay, we've communicated, um, not taking on responsibility, you know, for other people's feelings necessarily. You're holding space for them to- Holding space and being sensitive of that and having empathy for that but those things don't necessarily have to translate to here, let me fix everything for you. Because yeah. this whole pandemic is, is so symbolic of the curveballs that we all, I mean, it's an extreme curveball, but that we all have in life. And, and, and I think one of the other things that we didn't even touch on is that, and this is what we've done a lot of in our house, and we can do this because our girls are, are in their 20s, Mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about like, this sucks, guys, like this yeah. absolutely sucks. And it's okay to sit in that suckiness for a mm -hmm. while. You know, it's okay to not know what's happening next week or next month. It feels icky and it's unsettling, but we're all kind of, we're all in the same boat, so to speak. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody has 
different circumstances. Some people have been alone the entire time. Some people are, are with people. Um, some people have a job, some people don't have a job. So there, you know, there are a lot of variables, but the essence is we're all living through this thing together. And it's, there are real aspects of it that suck. So yeah. own, own that and not, don't, you know, don't be afraid to sit in that because that's part of this whole process too. And those are things to be equally as transparent about, in, yeah. in my opinion. Not, not masking or pretending yeah. that this is yep. something that it's not. I think that's really a beautiful thing and that you've been writing to help people. I think so many times, not just in parenting, we as humans just like evolutionarily want to be a part of our social framework, right? And part of that mm -hmm. means we want to feel acceptable and we want to feel like we're doing things right even though maybe there's statistically no right or wrong, <laughs> but not anymore, not anymore. Just, there isn't just by having like someone be brave enough to be vulnerable about these experiences and to open up the dialogue, to have these conversations. I think that's really, it's just wonderful what you're doing because Thank nobody you. wants to feel alone. And like this, this is, yeah, it's okay to feel icky. It's okay to sit in that. And so from, the actively navigating step, what would you say, because I thought it was funny when you touched on unicorn parenting, right? <laughs> so you're recognizing maybe things in yourself, you're like, oof, I'm not really handling this so well or the way mm -hmm. that I want it to be. From actively navigating when you recognize maybe I have some unicorn parent tendencies or lawnmower parent, how would you, how would you, provide insight for somebody that's at that point where they're acknowledging and they don't necessarily want to continue that way. That's, a, you know, that's, that's a really tough one. Um, you know, we, we also have talked not in this book, but um, my co-author Deb Gansenberg and I do quite a bit of speaking as well. And we've talked a lot about the, the different parenting styles like permissive and authoritative and authoritarian and, and, you know, it's, we've identified them and, and shared them with, with parents. And it's difficult. It's difficult to acknowledge when you are being that thing that you don't want to be. It's hard. Yeah. And it's scary. Because once you acknowledge that, then and you're really kind of committing to yourself to have to change that. I, I think you know, I, I don't know if there's any pathway, like any one specific pathway to arrive in that place when you've been like, oh God, I'm, I'm this or I'm that, or I, I'm this kind of a parent. I think it's just honesty. I think it's just, that's the place to start. Yeah. Um, just doing your best to acknowledge the behaviors in yourself and, mm -hmm. and don't be afraid of, of having conversations that may whether it's with your, you know, your partner or your spouse or your child, even or friends, where you ex kind of expose aspects of yourself, don't be afraid of that because that's you're doing the work. That's the yeah. beginning of the work toward changing the behaviors that you're that you're seeing in yourself. It's scary. Like nobody wants to screw up, right. but I, <laughs> you know, or or feel like they've made mistakes. I can't. I have absolutely a thousand percent made so many more mistakes than I haven't. Do you know what I mean? As yeah. a parent, for sure. Um, 
and but but it's in owning those and and really dialing directly into them that allows you to kind of deconstruct them and understand like okay well I did that and that felt that felt bad or that was dumb or ineffective or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Now I want to be able to to move away from that in a way that I don't repeat that behavior. It it all just boils back down to honesty yeah. and um not being afraid to have the hard conversations with yourself or the people around you who may be pointing it out. Yeah. And and once you've come to the place where you're acknowledging like, wow, maybe this behavior is not how I want to be. And and it can it can be so painful, right? Because you mm-hmm. ideally innately want to do the very best thing for your children. So when you realize what you're doing is actually not that and you can stop and you can say like, okay, I'm being honest and this is how I want to approach it. This is how I would like to change it. I think mm-hmm. it goes back to just the premise of your book, Raising Perfectly Imperfect Kids, which is it, mistakes are going to happen. Like you're, there's no possible way you can make every decision correctly, you no, know? And so giving, perfection is a myth. It's a myth. Yeah. And so giving yourself then the space and the grace to say like this is okay it's not fatal we are like beautifully neuroplastic and that's the the wonderful thing about having consciousness is being able to acknowledge and recognize like oh this is something i'm doing it doesn't need to be a part of my identity anymore and these are and then Mm -hmm. by being transparent with people around you that you trust trusted people that care about you like it can just be so liberating to realize that you can grow or change and not make exactly the same decisions that you've always made or that you were modeled and when you're a child from your parents. Mm-hmm. So this was, this was just so wonderful. I think it's like applicable to more than parenting, honestly, Lisa. It, and- it is. And I've had, <laughs> I can't even tell you how many conversations, how many beautiful conversations have, have come from, just the, the, you know, the impetus of this book, which is that perfection is un, unattainable. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it, all of what we talked about has every bit as much to do with work and life and relationships and, and career and self-development, all of it. I mean, it, you know, it, it all kind of funnels back to the same place. And, and I mean, I, I talk about this a lot, um, the idea that I would almost rather have the mistake. I would rather have the screw up. I, mm-hmm. I mean, wins feel great. If you're talking about wins and losses in life, mm-hmm. who doesn't love a, a win? You know, it's, it, it makes you feel great. You feel successful. You feel empowered, all those things. But mm-hmm. um, it's, I think that the real nuggets are inside the mistakes and inside the, the, the dark or scary moments that you found a way to work through that you learned from that, that you, you dug into and they changed you, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they changed the narrative for you. And that, that those changes, I think typically come from, you know, the, the moments that are kind of messy and dirty and that don't feel great because those are the ones that you remember. And those are the ones that can, can kind of propel you to a different place. So those, those screw ups are, they're important. And you're right. This does apply to way more than just parenting. This is just, you know, 
this was my wheelhouse. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, working for so long with kids and having my own, it, it just was, was where I landed, but it applies to everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is such a wonderful final, like step to the process of parenting in the pandemic is being able to reframe essentially mm -hmm. what, what you consider to be a mistake once it's acknowledged and like seeing it as an opportunity or like, that's where you find the nugget. Yeah something really, really valuable that is the impetus for change or for leading you towards the kind of quality life that you want. And it takes those sort of decisions that result in something maybe that wasn't what you planned or how you wanted that outcome to go. I feel like, honestly, some of the best situations that I've ever arrived in in my life came from uh, you know, like a bad beginning. They, they came from a, a mistake in judgment or you, know, you said something or did something and, and it took you here when you wanted to go there. And it's, it's when you kind of stopped and understood it and, and learned from it, if it wasn't ideal, that you realize like, wow, okay, this brought me to a place because I was open, because I was willing to, to, to work on this or to embrace this failure, for instance, it got me here and I never would have gotten here without that happening. Right. Um, I can retrace so many different experiences in my life to to that moment where it was, you know, just all about kind of embracing the thing that didn't go right yeah. for where where it could take me. And oftentimes you just end up in in such a, a distinctly different and almost better place. Yeah, and that is a beautiful perspective to cultivate. You know. I, I so appreciate you getting on and joining and providing these insights. And so just to kind of recap for anyone that popped in kind of late, we sort of went through from Lisa's experience as not only a mom herself, um, but a syndicated journalist and author of How to Raise Perfectly Imperfect Parents, just some insights that she's gleaned from parenting in the pandemic. One, we started with embracing the situation and then two, being honest about it, you know, whatever, even if it is uncomfortable emotions or feelings or things that you need to share and putting that actively into transparency with your community or your family or your children, or if, you know, your child's an infant, your, your partner, who you're with, your close support system. Um, so then from transparency, it's actively navigating, right? And yeah. Um, oh, it's active. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Holding space and and you know not jumping in to save, but giving people room for their own feelings without hundred percent taking it on you and making it your responsibility. Um, and then from actively navigating, how did we summarize the last step? It was it was sort of like uh, reframing, right? Like mm -hmm. okay, maybe a mistake happened, or maybe embracing this, that, embracing embracing that, that mistake, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, we yeah. got a comment. So um, I grew up in an environment where mistakes were not acknowledged, valuable, and not honored as a part of life. Having a family of my own, we realized the beauty of growth that comes from them. Oh, that was such, thank you for sharing it's that. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm so, I'm so glad. See, we, this goes back to, that comment makes me immediately dive to um, the whole notion of choice. We all, we can't, control the world around us we can't clearly i mean and we can't control what the world is doing around us but we can absolutely control our attitude and what 
we put out into the world, what, how we receive what's happening. Um, and, and that's a perfect example of someone knowing innately that certain things didn't work for them, but they made that conscious choice to do the things in their own life when they had the ability to, to kind of make the rules. They, they made the choices that made sense for them and they're yeah. carrying on in a way that feels good to them. So I, I love that. That's, that's a beautiful, I mean, I know it didn't start out great when she was younger, they were younger, yeah. but um, it certainly sounds like, you know, they're in a nice healthy groove, which is beautiful. Yeah. And learning like, this is how I don't want to be. I was modeled yeah. this behavior. Well, that's, now. that's, that's <laughs> huge. Actually. It's not, it's not just about learning what we do want and how, mm -hmm. you know, how we are happy, but it's what makes us unhappy and what we don't like and what doesn't jive with mm -hmm. us. That's just as important. Um, you know, they go, they go hand in hand. You really can't have one without the other. And being true to that too. Well, that's, that's so important. Can I, can I add one thing that I, that I just thought of Yeah, um, absolutely. as, as we, as we wind things down, one thing that's so important and in terms of this, this, this pandemic and how people are behaving and, and the, the takeaways and how to, how to navigate through it. One of the things that I've paid a lot of attention to in the last five months, six months is, you know, how other people are, judging themselves against what the people around them are doing mm -hmm. you know you've got you've got all this incredible social media that's creating certain imagery that may not be so accurate about what people's lives are like and um, how easy some people have it and how how difficult others have it I think the most important thing because there's there's so much swirling around that people are paying attention to now in terms of how other people are doing the pandemic, mm -hmm. don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't worry about what's going on in somebody else's Insta feed or you know, on, on their Facebook feed or how other people are, are dealing with the dynamic within their, their family or the rules they're making or how they're keeping themselves safe or not. Um, that's, I think, the quickest way to implode if you're yeah. paying so much more attention to what other people are doing and thinking that, that you should be doing the same, don't do that. Do what feels right for you. Do what feels right for your family unit and your children and your partner and mm. um, let the other stuff go. Just, just let it fall away. That's such beautiful advice too. And I think being able to find resources that empower you to make those very autonomous and independent decisions is very important, whether it be, you know, finding a good friend to talk to that's non-judgmental, helps you in this embracing process, step one, mm -hmm. um, or even a therapist or just someone to trust and to confide in because the reality, that was such a great point, is it's very easy to look around at external um, comparative situations, but you have this much of the information of all of the variables in that other person's right. life. And so if you're using their decision-making as your prescription and your life playbook, nobody has your same variables. Nobody has That's your right. same environmental experiences that you grew up with or even your same genetics or your families. And so, um, yeah, really 
honing in to this process and constantly reiterating, I think gives you the confidence in making these decisions for yourself, yeah. going through this eight step process we essentially delineated. Um, and so um, before we have to hop off, Lisa, I've just really enjoyed this conversation. And oh, so where, have I. where can anyone who's listening um, find your books or find your, your articles that you're publishing? Um, well, I mean, I, my columns are, are all over the place. Um, I, I, write, uh, I write a column for Healthline Parenthood called okay. My Perfectly Imperfect Mom Life. And that's a monthly column that's exclusive on Healthline Parenthood. Um, I also write for Grown and Flown. They are a, a, a really incredible, if you're talking about resources, incredible resource for parents to access who have children ages 15 to 25. And they're at Grown and Flown. I have a lot of work on, um, on their platform. You can find me at lisasugarman.com. You can find my books are, are all over the place. Anywhere that you can find books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, indie bookstores, um, all over the place and of course you know I'm, I'm on I'm on Facebook at the Lisa Sugarman on Instagram as Lisa underscore Sugarman and the Lisa Sugarman on Twitter awesome well I'll be sure to you know host the link to your site also to your regular columns and our show notes because we'll be transforming this into a podcast for the, oh, great. those who couldn't actually join on this random <laughs> Tuesday <laughs> afternoon um, and then I just want to also make mention too like if you are feeling unsupported if you are feeling like typically we provide you know perinatal sort of like telehealth visits to help moms differentiate is this something that i need to like go into the er or the urgent care for or is this something mm -hmm. we can solve right here like with our fingertips in a virtual visit um and so we have those services available on the naturalnipple.com Sometimes it's just really as simple as saying, like, is this normal? Is it not? And then having, you know, advice from trusted healthcare providers that can really sit with you for a longer than a 15 minute session and mm -hmm. give you that empathetic, um, holistic care that I think people really need. But I what really a great resource. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you joining. I would love to stay in touch. And as soon as I've um, transformed it into the podcast, um, I'll make sure to share with you. Okay, Lisa? Wonderful. And then I'll make sure to share it with everybody on, on all my platforms, because I, I think that what you're doing is, is beautiful and essential work. And um, it's, it's so important to be able to give everyone um, access to these kinds of resources. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for your time. Thanks, um, Lauren. I just hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll be in touch. You too. I can't wait. Thanks, Thanks again for having